Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So after a very encouraging uh, end to the week last week for both silver and gold, in which we saw you know early Friday morning gold uh, move up just around thirteen hundred before eventually you know breaking thirteen hundred, and silver up something like thirty cents uh, to to the high fifteen dollar range. Uh, early, you know, last night and, and then today, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, um, we saw some dip in, in silver and gold. Uh, but, but you know, as the U.S. markets opened, you saw gold kind of hang on to those gains uh, that it had made uh, last Friday. And, you know, usually I don't take a lot of time to talk about these these small moves in the market. You guys know that I'm more of a big picture guy, but you know, as the title of this video suggests, you know, I do think that 1300 number is uh, pretty key for for gold, and I think a lot of people have known this for a long time that 1300 uh, or around 1300, whether 1301, two, three, whatever, uh, that was kind of a key psychological and and kind of a technical uh, number to to watch as well for gold. And you know, I have never really talked a whole lot about. Uh, I guess my thoughts on you know when silver and gold go up, who's you know going to lead the way? Although I have heard many people uh, talk about how they they believe gold is going to lead the way, and you know since we saw silver and gold kind of uh, bottom out, and and I do think that that it was a bottom. I'll get into that a little bit later on this video, but but late 2018 when we saw you know silver actually drop below 14, uh, gold uh, well below 1200, uh, we saw that gold to silver ratio really blow out. Um, and since then, it has dropped down somewhat. And so, you know, to say that gold has been leading the way isn't quite accurate uh, because gold has uh, has not moved up quite as much as silver has during that time period. But to see those key technical levels of, of you know, once gold can, you know, close above 1300 for, for some amount of time and, and move up to, to the next level, uh, it's going to be silver that follows suit. But it's not going to be that, that gold... Uh, you know, isn't going to keep rising until, you know, silver can break uh, $16 an ounce or, or some other, you know, key psychological or, or technical level out there. And so I guess I'd be correct in saying that, but this 1300 level is, is really key, especially as we get into the week this week with, with a ton of economic data, a lot of which was, was uh, delayed, not released because of the uh, government shutdown, which, you know, has has ended temporarily uh, as of, of last Friday. Uh It'll be interesting because we also have we have that as well as the Fed meeting. Now this January meeting, nobody really expected them to um, do anything as as far as their interest rate policy, uh, and I, I I won't expect them to do anything regarding their quantitative tightening program either. Um, th- that would be a surprise to me if they if they modified it. However, you know people will be watching this meeting. Uh, because of what the Fed has to say about their policy. And, you know, I think the really big thing to understand here is that, you know, just like markets, uh, Fed policy, it, it doesn't move in a straight line, 
right? Just like the market from from you know its bottom in 2009 through uh, wherever its high was, whether we see another one or, or I tend to think you know the high was uh, back in 2018. But during that time, it didn't move in a straight line. It, it had corrections. It had uh, times like in, in 2015, 2016, where it would just stall out, and then it had big rallies. And you, know, I think Fed policy is is very similar in that you have this uh, job owning or whatever you want to call it. You have this back and forth of how many interest rate hikes are they going to do this year or, or what, what is uh, their, their quantitative, program, quantitative tightening program going to look like. But as a whole, there's a trend that you can follow you know, in retrospect from uh, you know, ultimately when they, when they ended QE and then eventually began interest rate hikes at the end of 2015. There's, there's a bit of a line there, a trend. It doesn't move in a straight line, but there's a trend there. And and I do think that that inflection point, just like I think it's the case for the stock market, it's been hit for the, in terms of Fed policy as well. And so along the way, you're going to see things like, like last Friday, silver and gold rallied on news that the Fed, uh, a report by the Wall Street Journal that the Fed may be considering stopping or tweaking its quantitative tightening program because you know so many people have been talking about how how detrimental it has been to to market performance and, and to the economy uh, i think they're correct in saying that um but you know it wouldn't be surprising if they came out this next uh, meeting and they said you know what we're we're not thinking about that yet maybe they'll they'll tweak something else maybe it's their interest rates or, or not actually move their interest rate but tweak what they're they're saying about their interest rate policy going forward um and, and so you, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that you know later this week, just because gold has been able to hold on to 1300 thus far, you know, doesn't mean that that it's a it's a done deal that that this next move up for silver and gold is is uh that gold is going to hold above 1300, that silver is going to hold above you know 1550, you know, just throw a number out there 1560. Um, this coming week, uh, in the coming weeks, we we could see. Uh, you know, corrections, just like we could see different, um, uh, I guess, conflicting a message from the Fed. But I think the trend is clear, right? Just like so many people have been talking about this, this uh, bear market in the stock market, how uh, it's uh, what we're what we've kind of experienced lately since since, you know, what Christmas Eve has been a bear market correction. Uh, maybe it's the case for the Fed when we see them move back and forth with their policy. It's just that they are um, giving conflicting views that they're, they're not always going to move in a straight line. But, you know, I, I, many people have been talking about this that, uh, and so I won't pretend to, to have come up with his idea, but the idea of, of the bottom is in for silver and gold because fed policy has, I think, officially reversed to, to a more stubbish, accommodative, looser policy. I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, this, <laughs> I'm a little conflicted on this, um, not so much in, in terms of, of precious metals and Fed policy. I do think that Fed policy is on the, the loosening path. It's not on the tightening path any longer. Um, and, and, and I think silver and gold, the bottom for both of them were has, has been made. I don't see silver dropping even below $15. I'll be honest, would surprise me. Gold below, uh, you know, $12.50 or, or thereabouts. That would uh, surprise me. But, you know, the the one caveat to all this is what is the dollar going to look like going forward compared to other world currencies? Yes, the Fed may be loosening or, or moving in that direction to, to stop their interest rate hikes, eventually stop their QT, and then move to the opposite of those two things. 
But what is it going to look like for other world currencies? You know, what happens if, you know, in 2019, you know, 2018 was the year of, of the trade war and of actually quite a bit of, of weakness in, in the Chinese yuan. What if that trend continues? Maybe not in the trade war, maybe, maybe not. But what if the Chinese yuan continues to weaken? It breaks through that key seven uh, to, to, to one ratio. And we see a similar trend for maybe some other currencies. The euro weakens faster than the dollar does because the ECB uh, has to restart their QE program or or, or their tightening path, uh, the, the future of it is put in doubt. Um, the Bank of Japan and, and the yen, uh, there's, there's some further weakening there. The pound, you know, some of these other major currencies, what if we see them weaken considerably faster than the dollar does? But, you know, the other thing to keep in mind here, and this is, I mean, this really goes to the core of why so many of us choose to own precious metals in the first place, is is there's a scenario out there where you could see the dollar remain, you know, where it is now, or, you know, in a range between, you know, pick your number, 94 and, and 98, or whatever your, your range is, you know, relatively steady, not a huge move up, um, where, where it could stay steady, or even move up somewhat, and gold could could do the same, or you know, move up with the dollar. Because you got to remember that the DXY or, or the Bloomberg dollar index or whatever, you know, exchange or the individual exchange rates, the the, the pound or the euro, the yen or whatever to the dollar, you got to remember that you're comparing two fiat currencies. And what do fiat currencies do? They inflate. And so from one year to the next, the exchange rate between uh, the US dollar and uh, something like the, the, the euro or the pound or something, they may stay steady. You know, they, they don't. But let's say they are for, for a 12-month period. Well, both currencies have inflated during that time period. And so silver and gold can still go up in the meantime. The other thing to keep in mind is uh, the the flow of money out of, of things like stocks and, and risk, at, risk assets, uh, maybe uh, high-yield credit, uh, maybe even real estate, into precious metals into silver and gold. I mean, this is something we've talked about for years, it seems like. And and we already, you know, are, are slowly but surely seeing this turn take place. It's just a bit of a waiting game, you know, a waiting game for the next recession, the next Fed loosening, the next, uh, et cetera, uh, stock market crash. Now, you know, I do feel kind of uh, vindicated um, uh, by the move up last uh, Friday. I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it. Um, nor do I want to make too big a big of a deal out of the the report from the Wall Street Journal of of QT coming to an end. But you know, I've said for so long now that that there are a lot of potential catalysts for precious metals. But the one that I was always kind of talking about, that I was waiting for to kind of signal the beginning of the next bull market for silver and gold, because I saw it as almost a sure thing. Because you know, a big uh, a big war or some total collapse of liquidity in the markets, or whatever, you know, a, a collapse and a massive shortage on, on silver and gold or collapse of the comics or whatever, those things may or may not come to pass. But the one thing that I felt pretty confident eventually would happen in the near future was that the Fed would reverse policy. And they're doing it. And silver and gold responded exactly like you'd expect them to. They rallied. And I think we can expect that to continue. Uh, I do believe that the bottom is in. I who knows? Maybe in 2000, you know, summer of this year, I might have to eat those words, and I could be absolutely wrong. Uh, but, but again, it's only a matter of time before these things that so many people have been talking about finally uh, come to pass. Uh, whether it's recession, uh, Fed loosening, inflation, uh, the the 
collapse of, of fiat, uh, the dollar as well. Of course, as I said, you know, those two things aren't always going to go hand in hand. You can have the dollar rally, but also be inflating at the same time. Um, but uh, again, 1300 key level for gold uh, and silver, because if, if gold can't hang on to that, then, you know, I'd expect silver to fall as well. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this video, uh, this podcast really today, um, is this uh, new report out of the uh, CBO, the Congressional uh, Budget Office. Pretty sure that's what it stands for. Uh, detailing kind of the the U.S. government finances going forward. This is an annual report that they put out. Um, and it's, you know, it's something I kind of pick on to some extent because, and it's, the criticisms are not always justified either. Because the thing with the CBO is that they... When they make their predictions, uh, projections on on future deficits and whatnot, they have to make certain assumptions. S- assumptions like like inflation, uh, GDP, uh, government spending, government tax revenue. They have to make a lot of assumptions there, and they they oftentimes just have to operate on past data. So, for example, you know one of the big things that I pick on the CBO for is is they're always. Um, kind of lackluster, but but still somewhat positive or lukewarm view of the economy going forward. Meaning that, you know, over the next five years, 10 years, you know, indefinitely, uh, I think this latest report does it to 2030, they never enter in there like the potential for a recession. They just say, you know, over this time period, we're going to see GDP average out to, you know, 1. 1.3, 1. 1.5, 1.8%, whatever it is, uh, without accounting for the possibility of a recession, which I think is, it's it's tough because they can't time a recession and say that it's going to happen during this time period. They can't do that very accurately. But it is so important to our government finances because, uh, you know, long story short, they're projecting uh, we, we won't see trillion dollar deficits until like 2022. Um, I think we're going to have them this year. We had them last year. I don't think the official numbers bear it out, but we had them last year. We'll have it this year. We'll have it next year, etc. cetera. Uh, and over the long term, and that was actually slightly improved, uh, not hitting a trillion until, you know, next year. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But going forward, their debt to GDP ratio uh, really ramps up in the future. You know, heading out to 2030, 2040, 2050, etc. It's it's a uh, you know it's a, 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 a what a hyper uh, or exponential growth of of the the uh, debt to GDP ratio up to you know 120, 150, 160 uh, in terms of percentage. And, and I think they're accurate in that to some extent, but but I think you cannot underestimate just how quickly the next recession will speed things up and just other unforeseen uh, uh, events. So for example, um, the next recession, well, well, you, look back, you can look back to the last recession. The last recession, and I think it's 2009, was was the depths of, of uh, uh, debt, uh, deficits, debt to GDP or deficit to GDP. And that year, the deficit to GDP was something like uh, 10%. Okay. To to, to put that in today's terms, that would be something like $2 trillion deficit, you know, double what they're projecting, right? And you got to remember that to $2 trillion, as soon as it's added, you know, that extra trillion, we have to pay, you know, debt, uh, 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 we have to service that debt, we have to pay interest on that debt, 
uh, you know, indefinitely going forward. And so that, you know, speeds everything uh, up. You know, for example, they, they projected where uh, the U.S. government's going to spend something like $7 trillion just servicing the debt over the next decade. Well, if you add an extra trillion onto that over the next 12 months, you know, you're talking even more to service the debt. Now, obviously, this is a lot, you know, has to do with, with interest rate policy and whatnot. But, you know, that's just one example. You know, this next recession, we, I think we're going to see a host of, of reasons for the deficit to blow out to, to two, three, four trillion dollars in a single calendar year. You know, if the markets uh, and if Congress will, will go along with that. Now, you know, the idea of austerity or, or rising rates uh, really, really crushing the idea of, of massive deficits. That's a possibility. But you got to understand, you know, the things that are on the plate of the U.S. government in this next recession. You have some of the same things from last time. You have declining tax revenues. Okay, but this time around, I think you're going to have another stimulus package. It could be partly infrastructure, it could be partly otherwise, not unlike what we had during the Great Recession. Okay, so that's you know potentially half a trillion, another trillion dollars added on. Um, you know, beyond that, you also have things like bailouts, bailouts for the banking sector, for corporations. Not say it will happen, but it's definitely a very uh, good possibility of that happening. It happened last time. Uh, unless the American people stand up and say no, it's very well could happen again. Uh, how about the pension uh, network, the, the public pension system? States and uh, cities and counties will not be able to to bail that out on their own. I don't think the solution for them is going to be raise taxes or, or cut benefits significantly. I think eventually, once it gets bad enough, once we see more than just, you know, Illinois, New Jersey, uh, California, uh, you know, Kentucky or some other cities, uh, but but it's, you know, 40 out of the 50 states uh, are, are, are almost, you know, at zero. They need a bailout. Then we'll see massive bailouts to the pension program. You know, I'm talking trillions of dollars potentially. And, and then there's other things that you add on. You could have another hurricane. You could have another, you know, Hurricane Sandy hit the East Coast. Uh, uh, Hurricane Michael, Hurricane, um, what was it, Harvey, I think it was, that, that hit Houston. Uh, uh, I don't get all their names, you know, I get their names jumbled up sometimes. But those are incredibly expensive. And oftentimes, uh, Congress kind of foots a bill, or I, I should say, not Congress, but the taxpayer. But Congress chooses to, to delegate spending for that. Uh, you, you have this big infrastructure plan that was talked about back when Trump got elected. And and if if Democrats and Republicans are going to work together on anything, you know, that is pretty high up on the list. The number quoted back then was something like a trillion dollars over 10 years. OK, what about another foreign war, whether it's, uh, you know, in Iran or or somewhere in Africa? Right. Uh, a major conflict, uh, maybe in South America, uh, maybe with with China, you know, a limited conflict. uh uh, Taiwan or, or even North Korea, you know, that's another half a trillion, trillion, five trillion, who knows how much to the debt. Um, the point of what I'm saying here is that this, you know, I talked about earlier about how inflation being one of the major reasons for owning precious metals. Well, things like debt, uh, which is, you know, ultimately inflationary, uh, these ever increasing deficits, but that's a big part of why silver and gold are are a safe haven asset for so many people like you and I. Physical silver and gold, because when when you look out over the next five years, ten years, twenty years, there's not a whole lot of things that make me say that you know that gives me hope of balancing the budget or reducing the debt to GDP. No, I, there's very few things, right? And even if they did occur, things like austerity or or um, 
uh, other massive cuts to spending. Uh, I, I don't see it or, or tax massive tax hikes. We got to understand the economic uh, uh, implications of those that that would significantly hurt economic growth. Um, I, I'd love to see cut in spending, but you got to understand that a good piece of economic growth comes from government spending. And so, you know, there's not a lot of things that make me say that could bring down the deficit. And there are, you know, a thousand and one things that could increase it. We've seen it time and time again. If you look at past projections, nobody projected the massive deficits during the Great Recession. Nobody predicted things like bailouts, stimulus package, etc. Um, and yet, it's almost a sure thing that eventually those things are going to happen, just like in your own personal finances, right? Uh, it, it's great to budget everything out on paper and, and wow, you're going to, you know, you have a huge surplus that you can add to your savings or whatever on the year, buy silver and gold with it. But, you know, car repairs come up. Um, the the premium on your, your insurance goes up, whatever it is. Uh, uh, those types of things come up. It, it's only that, that when it comes to the U.S. government, oftentimes these are... Uh, not things, I mean, repairing your car, I mean, that's, I shouldn't say that it's a must do. I mean, you can survive without a car, but for all intents and purposes, you oftentimes, many people that have a car need the car to commute, to get to work. Okay. Um, and so it's not a huge choice over that, uh, paying insurance on, on the car or, or your house or whatever it is, a health insurance, uh, the premium on that, is not really a choice. Like maybe you could not carry insurance, but but there's a huge risk with that. Okay, whereas government spending, whether it's uh, um, uh, bailouts or stimulus package or massive infrastructure spending, that's totally self-inflicted, and, and it's almost a sure thing that the things are going to come up, and Congress members, congressmen and women are going to decide, along with the president and lobbyists and corporations and all the other things that go along with it, that more spending is a solution. But there's going to come a time where the markets and the people of the United States, people of the world say, no, no, we're, we're not going to continue to shoulder this debt for future generations. We're not going to continue to buy these bonds at this given interest rate, at this given price or yield. Uh, we want a lower price. We want a higher yield. Um, and that's really when the rubber meets the road. You're going to see the Fed have to intervene. The solution then is not going to be, again, the government, the Fed, their solution then is not going to be, okay, well, let's let's let rates rise significantly to 5 6 10%, whatever. No. Or, or let's cut spending. No. That's not going to be on the table. The, the solution is going to be that they offer is monetization of debt. Spend like there's no tomorrow. Spend like they always have. And the Fed will pick up the bill. Ultimately, though, it's, it's going to be you and I. It's going to be inflation. It's going to be the hidden tax that so many people have missed out on for so many years but, you know, the, the inflation of the 70s, the hyperinflation of, of, that we're seeing in Venezuela right now and we've seen in so many other countries in the past, uh, we're going to see those types of inflation here. And, and it's, people are going to pay attention to it. They're going to realize the, the theft, the, the tax that it has been all along. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section, both precious metals as well as the, the end game for, for uh for the, the debt picture. You know, if, if there is any, any silver lining to this, uh, silver and gold still remain, in my opinion, pretty inexpensive. Don't take that as investment advice. You can decide what's a good price for you to buy and what's not. But they look pretty affordable, especially silver to me uh, when you look at the silver-gold ratio. The other takeaway is that, well, you know what? Deficits have been high for a long time. 
and there's no reason to believe that this collapse is going to happen imminently in terms of of all of this you still got time to prepare uh it's just that you don't want to leave yourself with a week a month a couple hours to prepare um you want to give yourself preferably years both financially uh, and mentally so again i'd love to hear your thoughts in this video this podcast down below in the comment section if you are listening to me over on the podcast world itunes or or elsewhere uh leave me a review, you know, review my podcast, uh, shoot me an email or, or, you know, you can go to my YouTube channel and comment there or shoot me an email at w23matt at gmail.com. I'd love to chat with you. Love to hear from, from, from supporters. Uh, you guys really make this, this podcast, this channel, what it is. So I'm incredibly thankful to you guys. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, truly for listening to this, watching this and God bless.